is Queering Little Women, a podcast about Joe March, a trans man who can't get along with his annoying little sister. This is Chapter 8, Joe Meets Apollyon. And I'm Maggie. And I'm Joe. And this is Chapter 8, Joe Meets Apollyon. In this chapter, Joe and Amy are buttheads to each other after Joe and Meg get invited to a play. Sure are. Meg tries to calm them down, but Meg and Joe go to the play, leaving Amy home to burn Joe's fucking manuscript. Amy apologizes, but Joe can't forgive until her his cold attitude towards Amy nearly results in disaster. Amy falls through the ice. The boys pull her to safety, and Joe and Marmy talk and have a heart-to-heart about dealing with their anger. Great summary, Maggie. I think so. Okay, so I have so many feelings about this I chapter. I have so many feelings about this chapter. I went on an emotional and, roller coaster yeah. with this chapter, yeah. and I really want to queer it with yeah. you, but before we do, I have to tell you something. What? I know. I'm, I, like, can't wait to tell you this thing. Joe has been apparently, like, holding out on me, waiting to text me until we were on the air. That's right. So, I just have to say, I love my annotated version. I learned so much from it. Yeah. And they really buried the lead because they put an annotation, which is at the end of chapter nine, but fuck it, I'm going to tell you right now because it applies to everything. So. They buried the lead. I don't even know what that expression means. Yeah, well, it means that they, like, the most important thing is <gasps> putting it they in the... They didn't put it in the beginning. They didn't put it in the beginning. They put it way in what an annotation on, at the end of chapter nine. What is it? Okay, sorry. Sorry. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> where do I start? So Alcott Lou mm-hmm. did this interview and with this person, Louise Chandler Moultrum. Okay. And the Liz Louise wrote a sketch of Lou for Our Famous Women. Okay. Alcott told her that she thought Lou had been a horse in a former life because Lou had loved to run so much. And then added, now I am more than half persuaded that I am a man's soul Put by some freak of Damn nature it. into a woman's body. That's Lou. That's what Lou said. That's Lou's own words. Lou said that about themselves. Yeah. That's just like, come on. Come on. Just accept it. And and everybody's still fucking reading this book and saying, like, oh, it's not about Joe wanting to be a boy. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's that's Lou's own words. Right. I am a man's soul put by some freak of freak into a some freak of nature into a woman's body. And when Maltern asked her Damn. um asked Lou why Lou thought that, Lou replied, well, for one thing, and the blue-gray eyes sparkle with laughter, because I have fallen in love in my life with so many pretty girls, and never the least bit with any man. Aww. Yeah. Aww. So, I think Lou is confusing sexual orientation gender. with gender sure. identity, sure. but that's okay. Um, I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. <laughs> A lot, and I find it very annoying. Yeah. But a lot of people do do that, and there wasn't really language for this at that time. Yeah. But then also, this annotation goes on to list that there's like, it's like, oh, well, there's all sorts of wild speculation about uh, Lou Alcott being a lesbian, which Lou okay. Alcott Lou is Alcott clearly a straight man. man. Yeah. Um, but then there's all of these. In his own words. Yeah. I know. All of these books that are like dismembering the text of the horror of Louise May Alcott's Little Women, the borders of ethical, erotic, and artist possibilities in... I know, that's what it says. 
Sentimental Discourse of the Bisexual Erotics of Work. Work is one of Lou's, Lou's other books. Oh, okay. uh, queer okay. Performances, Lesbian Politics and Little Women, Little Women and the Femis, Feminist Imagination, Notions on Marriage, Bisexual Desires and Spinsterhood, and the Intellectual and Artistic Genius of Louise May Alcott, Happy Women. They go on. So there are many, oh. apparently, queer interpretations that well, we should be looking also into. Also confused sexual orientation with gender. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So I don't know that many people, I mean, how can you read this quote and not and yeah. not conclude that Lou Alcott is a transgender man? I mean, Lou is basically saying, I'm a man. I'm a man. Yeah, that's uh, what Lou says. <laughs> it's like almost too, like, like yeah. textbook or something. Well, yeah, like the common trans narrative that the, like, people make movies typical. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. the like, I'm born in the wrong body, right, you know? Right. But Which not everybody feels that way. Not everyone feels that way. And also, some people do. Including Lou Alcott. Including Lou Alcott. Anyway, on wow. to chapter eight. I just, I had to tell you, and I've Damn. been bursting out of my skin. And Damn. I can't believe they put it in an annotation at the end yeah. of chapter nine. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. And the, it should have been in chapter one. And the fact that, like, that's on the record and people could know about that and nobody... Is saying anything? Talking about Why it. are we the only ones, We're the Maggie? Only people who know we can't be the only ones, but we're probably not. We might be the only ones in the podcast <laughs> for now. Okay. Um. Are we going to talk more about the chapter, or is it more no, I, confessions time to talk about other stuff we've been waiting to tell each other? Oh yeah, we can do confessions before we go into <laughs> Amy being a well. Brat. One thing is that we have a fan now. Oh my god, we have a fan. <laughs> oh my gosh, what's that person's name? Sarah. Sarah. Shout uh-huh. out to Sarah, our most amazing fan. Our most amazing fan. An amazing letter. In Germany. And I do want to read some of your email because you talk about Amy in your email. And I will And read this that. is an Amy heavy chapter. This is an Amy heavy chapter. For so sure. very happy to hear from Sarah. Hope, uh-huh. hope it continues. Yes. Second thing on yes. the topic of us becoming increasingly famous yes. over time yes. is that, um, so I'm recently single. I got dumped on Monday. I'm and, sorry. Um, Kind of atypically for me, I, I took to OkCupid almost immediately. Oh, my God. Which I really shouldn't be doing. Um, and oh, my God. Someone on OkCupid said that they listened to the podcast? <laughs> it's just, it's like a friend of yours. It's like someone that knows you. But, yeah, like, I, because I, I have it in my profile, like, what I'm doing with my life. And one of them is queer, queer, little queer women. like, writing a, a podcast thing about little women from a queer perspective. And I got a message that was, like, a podcast about limit, little women from a queer perspective? You mean the one that Joe does? And it's like some friend of yours. Who is it? Um, I don't want to say on the the public internet, okay. but I'll tell you later. Okay, tell me later. Okay. Now I'm like super want to know. Isn't that, like? But I was just like, <laughs> I'm famous. I am a famous person, oh and people message me on OkCupid and want to date me because I am so famous. Oh my god. Okay. Amazing. Anyway, does this person listen to the podcast? I don't know. Okay. I would choose to believe so, but probably not. Okay. <laughs> I tell a lot of people about Queering Little Women, and I feel like no one listens, except for our fan, Sarah, and my friend, Michael. Our really awesome fan, Sarah, my dad. And your dad. Shout out to dad. And my friend, Michael Pennington. Shout out to Michael Pennington. Okay. Um, For sure, we have three three fans. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, So let's talk about... (laughs) Let's queer this chapter. Let's queer the shit out of this chapter now that we are all confession. All caught up and we're... Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to surprise you right now. You're going to say something nice about Amy. Yes, I am. I'm going to surprise you because 
Uh, so I'm reading this chapter. Yeah. And the whole, in the beginning, not the whole chapter. The yeah. Whole, I went on an emotional roller coaster, roller coaster with this chapter. Yeah. I was up and down, had all kinds Loop of feelings. I was yeah. everywhere with this chapter. Yeah. But in the beginning, yeah. when Joe is being such a douchebag. Joe is being an enormous douchebag A giant dickwad to Amy for no reason. I had to say, as the youngest of four, I felt really bad for Amy. Yeah. And I felt like Joe was being a giant asshole. Yeah. And then at the end, when Joe was like, because Amy falls in the lake or the river or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, like, I have so many other things to say about that. But then, like, it's like, oh, well, I'm so horrible because Amy could have died. And it's like, I mean, yes. And, like, why aren't you thinking back to, like, why mm-hmm. Amy burned your manuscript in the first place and thinking about, like, what was my part sure. in creating this reaction? And there was no discussion of that at all. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, I could have caused her death, which I think is a little melodramatic. Perhaps. I mean, falling in the ice yeah, is yeah, pretty Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I agree with that. I have, I have see, that's mean, <laughs> written <Yeah>. under <laughs> what Joan did. But then Amy is like, Beth is fussing over her piano. So it's not like any of either of them are being, I know, like nice people. Yeah, and I was just empathizing with all of I felt like I kind of like this chapter that they're all being mean because I feel like it makes them seem more human. And this book is sometimes like so virtuous and perfect, hmm. you know? And I feel like this is more what my family was like. <laughs> you know i'm not a huge person that loves small human children yeah i don't carry disdain for human children or anything good but um i do think that the way that adults speak to children and the way that like older adults speak to children Uh i had this memory when i was reading this in the beginning when um when Joe says to Amy, never mind, little girls shouldn't ask questions. Oh, yeah. And, That's um, just yeah. super condescending. And, and um, now if there's anything mortifying to our feelings when we are young is to be bidden to run away, run away dear, dear. Is, <laughs> is still more trying to us. I just had this memory of, I remember when I was at, went to summer camp, uh-huh. and I was a camper, uh-huh. and I don't know, I was probably 12, 13, or something yeah. like that, and the camp counselor was like, okay, you guys have to go collect firewood, and we were like, why do we have to do that, why can't we do it, and it was like, it was very kind of like, because I said so, uh-huh. in this like, uh-huh. you know, not like, and I remember so like, angrily collecting the firewood, and swearing to myself that I would never do that to a child. I definitely remember those moments of like literally like writing letters to my adult self and being like, here are the things you cannot do to kids when you are a grown up. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, it, it makes you feel like, you know, I'm 13. I'm not capable of. And I'm a person, you know, you know there's like yeah. some basic human respect. Yeah. Like yeah. what is going on with that? And I really didn't like it. I so that was like a it. super douche move. Yeah. Cute. On the part of Joe. I also, I was really just like sick for a really long time this fall so I empathized with Amy saying that she'd been sick so long and shut up and just really wanted to go out yeah but then mm-hmm. I also empathized with Joe being like I don't want to be watching out for a kid while I go out and have fun because sometimes I feel that way when my kid friends want to come to things and I'm like I like you but I just don't want to be responsible for another person yeah right but that can maybe be made clear in a more of course kind of way course. you know like yeah. saying if she goes, I shan't. Yeah, that's like that's like super come, petty. Tone it down, you right. know, like sure. whatever. 
Oh, also there was a annotation about, you know, because Joe was like explaining the logic of, well, if you go, then Lori has to sit here and yeah, we have to do yeah, this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was like so ridiculous. But there was this, an annotation about how it was improper for women to sit alone at theaters, mm-hmm. even children. And, and so that's why, why someone would have to sit with her. Yeah, because it was improper for her to be alone. I guess if it's two women, it's Sure, okay. that makes sense. Because if the if the three, well, yeah, because they implied that like Amy would have to then sit with it's Joe and Mark, Joe and Meg, Joe yeah. and Meg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I wrote a note that said, "Why is Joe yeah, all of a sudden wrapped up in being proper?" Yep, I have that too. Because <laughs> <laughs> Joe of all characters yeah. doesn't give yeah, a yeah, flying. Yeah. Fuck about yeah. those kinds of rules. Joe just doesn't fucking want Amy to go and is making right, it and it's just that's being a thing. giant asshole that's about true. it. That's true. And I, although I mean, it's true that when you're not invited to something, it's kind of rude. To that's be like, true. Bring me with her. However, I think Joe is making kind of a bigger deal yeah, about it. Yeah, because Meg is like, no, we could bring her. Why not? Right. You know. Right. And it's not like, oh, this is this big private thing, and like she could, and it's sold out, and we're gonna have to like, right. I can't go right. if you go. It's yeah. like, it's really not that big it's a deal. You know. I feel you. Another thing I noticed is that it said um, his sisters used to say they rather liked to get Joe in a fury because he was such an angel afterward. Oh, yeah. I think I wrote that down, too. And that (laughs) totally reminded me of my brothers fighting with each other when they were kids. Like, the Uh only time when they were, like, really good friends, I feel like, was after they just, like, had it out wrestling and fighting. And then they would just kind of, like, end up with their arm around each other and just be like, yeah, like, you're my brother and I love you. So I feel like it's some kind of weird, like, like boy thing where yeah. they're like, I'm not allowed to express physical affection, but I, like, want physical closeness, so I have to, like, fight or something. Maybe that's why men play sports. When when men play sports, it's okay for them to slap each other's ass. Uh-huh. It's like, it's or like, like as long as you're being extra manly and aggressive, like, that would be a safe time. And it's okay to, for me like, to, like, hug you in celebration yeah. or Which we do see Joe having a few pages down being unable to cry because tears are an unmanly oh, weakness. Oh, my God. Which I was like, oh, baby, no. Oh, my God. When I read that, I literally, like, stopped reading, and I think I wrote, whoa. <laughs> like, wow. Poor baby. I know. That's really, that quote was kind of hard for yeah. me to read. And was one of those things, like, you were talking in a previous episode about how patriarchy hurts men. Yeah. And this is, like, another one of those things totally. about how patriarchy hurts men. And misogyny, essentially, it's all rooted in misogyny. Right, because you, because if because if certain if, traits are considered feminine, then you're it then means you bad. Yeah. Right, you're not as good, which is like I just oh. want to say that crying is awesome. Yeah, it really makes you feel better. It's all right to cry. It's super alright to cry, and yeah. it makes me. I feel just better. want you to know that this morning I, I was hanging out at my house, getting ready to come over here, yeah. and I watched the season finale of Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Um, and cried. Good. Before he came over. Good. <laughs> it was great. A few tears a day yeah. keeps the doctor away, maybe. Sure, maybe. I don't know. Okay. So now, now I've had, into Amy being a I've had a douche-wad. significant amount of empathy for Amy. And, well, you know, we could but read, then. we could read our fan's email because okay. she, yeah, let's, let's she ask has Sarah. a lot of empathy for Amy and makes some valid points about how Amy is a child and how basically we should be a little easier on Amy because she's a child. 
I and I feel like I've made those. Points. You have made that. Thank point you before for sure, and I and have, I'm happy to have Sarah chime in. I have dismissed it, but I think Sarah now. extends my even a little bit. Further yeah, I will. Position. Yes, yeah, Sarah writes a long a lot about Amy, and I'll just read it all right now. Okay. Okay. While Amy's often an annoying little shit, I think Fact. she's yep. I think it's worth noting that she's only 12 when the story begins, and we're seeing her through the prism of a sibling who is just a little bit older and very different in temperament. I feel that so strongly that my brother, who is only three years older than me, just, like, couldn't fucking stand me because it's, like, the things that a kid who's a little younger than you does are, like, the most annoying because you're, like, trying to be grown up and, like, distance yourself from mm-hmm. those things. And I feel like that's... I hadn't thought about that, that we're sort of maybe seeing Amy from Joe's point of view. Well, and there was one paragraph, actually, in this chapter that it was written as though it was supposed to be from the narrative uh-huh. narrator, and it was, like... So overtly Joe's sure, point of view sure. that I was that I like made a note of it That's because I was like this feels like wildly mm-hmm. to me. Um, okay, so I feel like Joe and Lou are defined by a sense of obligation and a desire to help the family. Amy is more aware of what other people will think, possibly because she faces judgmental classmates every day. While she's spoiled and coddled by other family members, she's also kind of an afterthought. And doesn't get to go to parties. She probably wears crappy hand-me-downs, and she's always seen as the dumb, superficial baby. I mean, I hear that, and I could argue against some of those things. But, yes. Um, She goes to a school that's not very good, and Joe makes fun of her for her poor vocabulary and lack of general knowledge. I had never thought of that. Is it that her school... School isn't good, or is it that I can't remember? In I feel like seven. it's presented as being like her own personal failing for not being better at school. But me, I mean, I remember that when when she was like freaking out about her multiplication table. I was like, oh, your your fucking school is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did say stuff. that. So I could I could see it go either way. Okay, Meg and Joe have each other as built-in companions, but Amy's closest in age sibling is Beth, who, as you guys point out, has crippling social anxiety and can barely leave the house. I can't help thinking that this isolates Amy even further. She's the youngest, but not exactly the most helpless. Something I, Joe, me, podcast Joe, um, touch upon in describing having an older sibling with a disability. I wonder how Amy views her sisters. Are they as close-knit, or does she feel that she's often left to fend for herself? It's interesting. We just don't see things from Amy's perspective. Well, and the, I mean, the book is written about from Joe's perspective about Joe. I yeah. mean, it's like yeah. there's a narrator, but really it's about Joe. Sure. Like everybody knows it's about yeah, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if we could have, if someone wrote a book that was from Amy's perspective in the family? That would be so fun. I'm not going to write that because, book because I, maybe can, Sarah I, will. I couldn't. Sarah, please write that book. We will read it and we will clear it. Okay. Amy's reluctance to spend all of her money on her Christmas present for Marmy also seems understandable. She's a 12-year-old girl who loves art, and she really wants this, a set of drawing pencils. Joe and Meg have jobs and could theoretically put some of their own earnings aside for such a small luxury. Amy doesn't work, doesn't have any money, and rarely has the chance to buy anything for herself. I don't think that it's so selfish for her to want some cheap art supplies, but then she blows her whole load of the rag money on pickled limes that then get tossed out the window last chapter to the 
She did have those pickled lines. I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think I was thinking about that comment from Sarah as I've been mm-hmm. reading this book, that sometimes it's true that, like, if Amy was by herself and not being compared to her siblings, she wouldn't seem so selfish. It would be like, yeah, I'm going to buy a present for someone else and a present for myself. Like, I would do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, at Christmas time, I don't literally, like, stop buying anything nice for myself ever and save all my money to give only as presents to other people, you know? Like, sure. I still do things for myself. Sure. But I think that it's just, like, in the family, it's like, Meg is thinking only about Marmy, and Joe is thinking only about Marmy, well, and Beth is thinking only about Marmy, and then there's Amy. And so I think she, like, comes sure. off the worst for being in this book that's, like, about these children who are, like, so earnestly trying selfless. to be perfect yeah. and selfless. Yeah. And, like, realistically, it is okay to think about yourself sometimes, too. I mean, it's good to think about yeah. yourself sometimes. Self-care. Yeah. And maybe Amy is even displaying that in a way. Because I, in a way, that's good, basically. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I feel like, you know, in queer circles that I'm in, self-care is, like, this mother, like, super important mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. So maybe maybe Amy, because she's a, a child and she has that sort of beginner's mind in a way mm-hmm. that the others don't, mm-hmm. she can access that more easily. You know, that, like, she needs to take care of herself first. This is me really stretching. You're down. stretching. I'm I really, really appreciate down. the stretch that you're I'm going really through. Stre- I'm really stretching. I think it'll be interesting to keep an eye out for that as we go uh-huh. through the book and see, yep. like, if we sort of try to stop looking at Amy through Joe's perspective and try to just, like, think about, well, what did Amy do? Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Okay, Sarah has a couple more things to okay. say about Amy. Okay, so Sarah goes on to say... There is the whole issue with Amy burning Joe's book. Which yeah, is, which yeah. is a pretty big issue. Yeah, which is a major bitch move. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Concurred. We all, there's consensus on that. Not everything Amy does is forgivable, but when Amy's own interests and talents are treated as secondary, maybe it's understandable that she doesn't have a lot of empathy towards others. I would be interested to know what you th- what you think. From my perspective, Amy's not a great person, but I don't think Amy's life is as easy as Joe imagines. Mm. And I often feel that Joe slash Lou is overly harsh on Amy. I think that's true, too, and I'm sort of surprised because I don't get the impression that Lou was overly harsh on um, May Alcott. Hmm. I don't get that impression that it was so so maybe it was more of like an artistic choice to make the book interesting that there should sort of I be think so. a, a bratty kid and that would be funny. Yeah, or to give to make them more archetypes. I mean, uh-huh. because like right in the first chapter, it's like archetype, 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 right, 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 and right, then right. and now what we're going through is the four chapters, yeah, one about yeah, each yeah. one of the archetypes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like Lou is shaping these, is setting up these characters as mm-hmm. this, you know, totally. thing. Totally. Um, okay, so I think Joe and Amy really rub each other the wrong way, and I imagine that. The same was true of Lou and Lou's sister, May. Mm-hmm. Amy is a hyper-feminine optimist, comfortable with her own skin and eager to advance herself. Joe is a lovable, lovable gender-confused mess who doesn't fit in, doesn't exactly want to fit in, except for in the case of making sure that you follow all the rules when you go to West Theater. Because <laughs> that shit is serious. <laughs> because then Joe really needs to be proper. Um but feels a lot of pressure to conform to socially acceptable standards. Okay, so Sarah already forced to that. Forced to that. And sandwiched between them is Beth, basically a saint who is too fragile to interact with the outside world. 
It creates a really interesting and heavily charged dynamic. I imagine Amy's portrait of Joe would be as unflattering as Joe's portrait of Amy. Please write that, Sarah. We want to clear it. We do, really do. At least when they are kids. As adults, they might come to a greater understanding and respect. Is Amy unfairly villainized? She's really, really young, at least when the book begins. I just recently spent a lot of time listening to a podcast about Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. And so I can't help kind of comparing this book, because Pride and Prejudice is also a story that's basically <coughs> about five sisters. Uh-huh. You know, and then there's this whole thing of like never trying it. to fall in love and, and get married and stuff, but it's really about their relationship with sisters. And there's also in that story a youngest sister who's kind of awful. And so it's, that's so interesting. So maybe it's something that was expected sort of in literature it at could that time. Be. I mean, the, the, well, that so, book is much older, I think. That book is like from the 18th century instead of the 19th. But still, I feel like Lou was commissioned to write a girl's book. Sure. A book for girls. So I think this is Lou. You know, and I think we'll get into this a lot in the next chapter, but is like kind of desperately grasping at what what Lou thinks girls want. Ooh, right? And not necessarily what, what girls want. Maybe it is, because mm. the book is a wild success and we're talking about it 150 years later. Yeah. But I think Lou was really like, I think this is what girls want. I think this is what mm. this is what girls are supposed to do. This is what a lady is. This is how a lady's supposed to act, you know? Mm-hmm. And trying to create these sort of like dynamics about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so just, so Amy burns the fucking manuscript, and it's like, don't do that. Okay, but then it says um, Amy forgot her grown-up ways and acted like a spoiled child for a minute when, when she decided to burn the man- uh-huh. manuscript. I'm sorry. When was Amy not acting like a spoiled child? Yeah. I, I don't know that she was... When she was whining to Joe about please bring well, me, she was being no, but blown like up. in but but she my has empathy has thing. ended. The, the wall has come down. She has a thing <laughs> about trying to be grown up. Yeah, but she's epically failed at it. She's know, not good at it. That's what that's what Lou is saying that she's forgetting her grown up ways. I guess. So then she makes the threat. They leave and they're just like, this will probably be fine. I'm not even. And I can see Sarah's point that they're like not even thinking about Amy. Like, Amy's like, you'll be sorry, Joe March. And Joe's yeah, just and like, just like I wonder what she's going to do this time. Right. And I then Joe comes home and it's like, everything seems fine. Nothing's, no big deal. Yeah. Go to bed. You don't know that Amy is a serious fucker that doesn't fuck around. Yeah. Well, and what a cold motherfucking thing to do. Yeah, it's bad. Although, I will say, Joe, why did you have to destroy the old manuscript? Haven't you heard of backing up your work? Um, I mean, I do think that that was maybe not the best decision on Joe's part. Are you asking me as Joe? I didn't intend to be, but I could see how I looked you in the eye and said your name, but that was a coincidence, because you're the only person here, so that's who I'm going to look at. And And I'm the only person here named Joe. You named yourself after Joe, so you made your bed and now you have to lie in it. Okay, okay. So there was a line that said that Amy teased Joe and Joe irritated Amy. Mm. And I just thought that that was really interesting. And I read it a couple times and I was trying to think about it from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. So Amy teases Joe. So Amy says, oh, you're so boyish or you're not following the rules or whatever. And Joe is just like irritated, is annoyed by Amy. Like, get away from me. I'm mm-hmm. sick of you, blah, blah, blah. And wouldn't you be annoyed by someone that teased you? Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want to invite someone that teased me to a... Wait, it's Play. it's Amy irritate. No, it's Amy. Joe irritates Amy. Joe irritated Amy. Joe irritates Amy. Amy's irritated by Joe. Amy teased Joe. Joe irritated Amy. Right. Joe is the one irritating Amy. 
Joe's not the one that's irritating. All oh, right, that must be why I read it five times. Okay, so, well, then Amy is the bitch in both of those. Mm. So Amy teases Joe, and she's annoyed by Joe. Yeah. But, I mean, Joe's, Joe's being kind of... Kind of I mean, yes, Joe's being a douchebag to Amy, <coughs> but still, it's just kind of like, you know... They're both But then, after Joe, like, rages about the book being burned, it's like this shame spiral that is really problematic. Well, let's, let's get to that. So... First of all, I like that when um, Joe gets home and is like, Amy, you have my book. Amy's like, oh, no, I don't. And I like that it's, I definitely pulled that shit when I was little, that, like, I would try to find something that was literally true, like the letter of the word that I was saying was true, but would be misleading. And I would think that, like, I would be able to get away with it. And they would, like, believe me. And I'd be like, no, I'm not lying. I don't know. I don't have your book. Right? Because she's like, I don't have your book because no one has it because it's burned. Because it's gone. Because it doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Um, And I just love, I think that's a funny touch. (laughs) And it's a total douchey thing It's super douche. Super, super douche. But I would have done, particularly the, like, lying without lying thing. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, then, obviously, Joe is super mad. Yep. Amy goes to apologize. And, oh my gosh, I just remembered the 1994 movie when Marmy says, don't let the sun go down upon your anger. I have this, like, very strong version of Susan Sarandon saying that. I was thinking about that a lot, too. Yeah. Because not, actually, surprisingly, not all of the film versions include this part. This is, like, one of the most important parts to Mm -hmm. me. I agree. Now, a lot of them skip over the next chapter, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is the unmanly weakness. And that oh was just my heartbreaking. God. It was like, baby, you can be so heartbreaking. You can be strong and manly and still have your feelings. Yeah. And then, so then we get to the, sh- the shame spiral where Amy's mad that Joe isn't taking her apology. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been there. I feel like I've been in like, look, you're mad at me. I said I was sorry. And now you're still like, like I get to a point. It's like someone's mad at me. And I feel bad for a while, and then if they keep being mad at me, eventually it, like, flips over, and I'm like, no, now you're out of line. Like, if you were mad at me, and I, like, said I was sorry, and I tried to, like, you know, for a day or two, I was, like, being extra nice to it's you. It's not even a day. It's, like, five hours. I'm just, I mean, it's a book. I'm just yeah, saying that I, Joe's book was the pride of his heart. I know. I'm not saying that Amy <sighs> is being reasonable. I'm saying that I empathize with Amy. Putting not, his whole heart into I his know, work, hoping I to know, make something I good know, enough to print. I know that. I'm just saying that I have been, I understand I mean, this feelings. is a massive loss. I know that. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying that you said that you thought that this shame spiral was yeah. problematic, and I just am saying that I understand it. That like you understand Amy's perspective. Yeah, that like sometimes when you feel like you've done everything you can, and someone is still being mad at you, you're just like, well, I'm not sorry anymore. Now oh, I was talking about Joe's shame spiral. Oh, not Amy's shame I spiral. See. I was mistaken. Because I feel like Amy should be in a shame spiral. Sure. Because she, well, but she's not. She goes into a shame spiral, and then the shame it spirals into anger. That's what yeah. I'm I don't even think she has a spiral. I think that she's just like, well, I said sorry. Like, what's the problem? You know, like I even though I, you know, took the pride of your heart and I destroyed it. Okay. Like, <laughs> I said I was sorry. Isn't that good enough? Like, I feel like she's bitch, like, please. no, she's like, it is not good enough. I know it's not good enough. <laughs> and and it's also like it's okay. To need some space. I know? agree, but I, I, okay, we don't have to talk about this anymore because I feel like this is getting to be too contentious. 
You're just defending Amy because you lo- you're Meg. <laughs> I am Meg. I do defend Amy, and I'm not. I'm. I'm again. I'm not trying to say that what Amy is doing is okay. I'm just trying to say that I feel like I've experienced it similarly because I thought you yeah. were saying it was problematic. Anyway, I see. I see. Well, and I think I think it's fine. You know, like I understand that, and I understand the like feelings of helplessness that mm-hmm. comes with that. That it's like I fucked up. I'm trying to like do something. And I guess as an adult human being, I can just, like, be like, well, I fucked up, and now I need to, like, sue in the fact that I hurt uh-huh. someone, and that sucks. Right, but you you're know? just sort of, like, so when you, yeah, I feel like Amy's just, like, scrambling, like, I can't, this is an uncomfortable feeling, and I need to get out of it. And, and so maybe because she's a child, as yeah. you and Sarah have pointed out, she's just like, well, I said I was sorry, and, like, why and why do I still have why to can't we that? move on? Because she doesn't understand the, maybe, maybe she doesn't understand permanence. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe she doesn't well maybe she or just like how yeah how big a deal it is yeah the amount of work that joe has put into it or you know whatever mm-hmm. the the value of it i mean she must sort of understand it because yeah. she burned the book and she's not a she's not like five right but still i'm just i don't know okay so then we're going to talk about how joe had cherished his anger till it grew strong and took possession of him as evil thoughts and feelings always do Oh, okay. But before we say that, there was a weird part where they talk about all of the siblings are having, like, a bad day or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. and they're like, Joe's grumpy because of this, and Amy's sad because Joe won't forgive um, her, and Meg is, like, dealing with an annoying children or some, mm-hmm, trying to make mm-hmm. peace, and then it's like, and, and Beth grieved for a dead kitten, and I, <laughs> I was just, I just wrote... Which one of these is not like the others? <laughs> Starting with Beth mourned for a departed no, kitten. No, I don't and think then... it's a real kitten. I think, I don't think that's right. I, where is it? Yeah, but Beth is obsessed with her kitten. No, but I think it says Beth mourned as for a departed kitten. Thing. Oh, you're right. It is an as for a departed kitten. So I think it's just the, the whole family is just reacting to Amy burning the manuscript. What, what is Beth mourning exactly? Just... The book. I think the book is like a departed kitten to her. Oh. Yeah. That makes me feel so tender about that. <laughs> it's like, I loved your book as much as I love my cat. Oh my god. Alright, anyway. It's, it's, it's still a little which one it's of these still, is not like the others. Yeah, Beth is still, still a magical, different <laughs> creature from a different she place. She is magical. So, there's later it goes on to talk about how Joe rages and he gets mm-hmm, so angry mm-hmm. and he is so stubborn and blah blah blah. And um, there's a line that says, when Joe was in that mood, words were wasted. I uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, Maggie, but I am an outrageously stubborn person. I did not know that. I am outrageously, outrageously stubborn. Sometimes it serves me and sometimes it harms me. And when I read this, at first I was like, oh, well, I'm not like an angry person. I don't think that I'm an angry person, but I am a very stubborn person. Like, I will dig my heels in until I hit China. Like, Mm -hmm. I am stubborn. And I was trying to think, like, did I ever have these sort of, like, fits as a child? Mm -hmm. You know, we should have my mom on the podcast. That would be awesome. She would probably tell all sorts of embarrassing stories. But, um... Will she answer to Marmy? I'm sure she would if we asked her to. (laughs) Um... She tells a story, and there are pictures, which I'll show you, mm-hmm. and maybe I can scan some to, we can, Kylie can put on the website. My father went to Poland, I think, mm-hmm. um, one time on like a business trip or to visit somebody, blah, 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 and this is when I was a small child, and he bought me this little dress that was like a traditional, like, Polish 
mm-hmm. girl dress mm-hmm. thing, and I hated it. I as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Fuck that dress! I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to put that dress on. I'm never gonna wear it." I hated it. Yeah, the passion of, and I was probably five six, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I don't like that dress. I don't yeah. want to wear it." So one time, my parents made me put this on, and I threw a fucking fit like yeah. you never would have seen and I like kicked and screamed and whatever and so they forced me to put it on and they <laughs> and then they took pictures of me in this dress it's the only time I ever put this thing on fuck that and they had to fight so hard why, to get did, why was it so important to them to fucking force you to wear a dress I, pictures I guess because my dad like really he bought this thing like, and he thought it was expensive? so nice maybe it was expensive I don't know and he like thought it was this really I great gift care. and I fucking hated it like, I would kind of understand if, like, someone else had given it to you as a gift and he really wanted to, like, send them a picture of you in it, maybe? Maybe. I, I don't not. really know. I'd have to ask my mom for the details, but I remember I threw okay. a fit, and then I remember they took a picture of me, and of the pictures are hysterical because Good. I've got this, like, short little gay haircut, and then I'm standing up against a wall with, like, the scowliest, like, pouting face, and my arms are crossed like this. I'm like, <sighs> like Fuck this dress. <laughs> I fucking hate this. I hate everything that you're doing. And my mom loves to tell that story. And that's kind of what I thought about was this, like, this, words like, are digging in words, like, if anything you say, you're going to try and convince me to like this dress, you're going to try and put, no. No. I'm in a completely emotional, visceral place, and, like, you cannot communicate with me right now. I'm into that. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I, I had that more as a child. Now I can, like, do kind of more what Marmy says that, mm-hmm. that she does to mm-hmm. Joe is just, like, you know, I don't purse my lips, but I might I, walk out of the room. I love <laughs> Marmy and Joe talking about their anger. That is, like, for me, that's the core of this chapter. Mm-hmm. I just wrote a lot of hearts in the margins. <laughs> yeah, I see them. Just like, oh, because Marnie loves them so much. Oh, I have teach kids to deal productively with shame, guilt, and regret. And I feel like that's a thing that I just see a lot of me and my friends all struggle with is like, what do you do when you fuck up? You know, mm-hmm. like you have to. And I feel like there's sort of like some people who go to a place of, like, trying to minimize it and sort of pretending that what they did was okay, mm-hmm. you know? And that can be really harmful. Yep. And then there's people who just, like, go to this place of, like, I must be a terrible person, and, like, now it's all about me and my shame, you know? And yep. that's really unhelpful. Yeah. And I love that that Marmy says, don't cry so bitterly, but remember this day and resolve with all your soul that you will never know another like it. And I just think that's, like, really useful mm. if I feel like, okay, you're really upset that you fucked up. The way to use this productively is to just, like, really not do it again. Why isn't Marmy saying those things to Amy? I think Marmy already said those things to Amy, right? Because Amy... Well, and I understand this is Joe's chapter, Right, so because that's we specifically it's... said earlier on page... On my edition, is page 87... Mrs. March came home and having heard the story soon brought Amy to a sense of the wrong she had done her sister. So I think Marmy and Amy already had mm-hmm. that conversation where Marmy was mm-hmm. was explaining her wrongs. But I just, I, I don't know, I feel like that's something that I value about my mom that she really like when I would come to her with problems, she like held me to a high moral standard while also being empathetic. You know, mm-hmm. like when I was like, I don't want to invite this kid to my birthday party because she's not popular. My mm-hmm. mom was like, well, you can do whatever you want, but think about how that's going to feel that she doesn't have any friends. So if I were you, I would really give that some serious thought, you know? Yeah. 
And I appreciate that. And mm-hmm. I feel like Marmy is doing the same thing. It's just like, yeah, I'm not going to let you off the hook of this, but I'm also not going to like try to make you feel any worse. I'm just going to be sure. like, you're still good and you, you'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I like that. <laughs> okay. Talking about Joe's rage, there's a quote that says, he had cherished his anger till it grew strong and took possession yeah. of him as evil thoughts and, and feelings always do unless cast out at once. And I wrote, <laughs> exorcism? <laughs> Yeah. The power of Christ compelled Maybe you. Maybe <laughs> if they had had an exorcist in, none of this would have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually almost mm. called Amy a demon at some earlier point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, here's something that annoyed me yeah. about this. So Joe and Lori are ice skating, and then Joe freezes, and Lori saves him mm-hmm. I know. I just wondered if that was sexism mm-hmm. internalized. Like, mm-hmm. Lou is just like oh, well, Joe is, you know, labeled woman, therefore, like, can't... I wondered that, too. ...do anything. And then later, it's all about, like, oh, Lori saved the day, and Lori did everything. It was this, like, praising of Lori that I thought Joe was really... Joe was breaking a rail off of a fence. That's pretty bad. Yeah, and, like, had scars all over his hands and yeah. stuff, and was, like, and walked home, like, half naked. I agree with you that that was, like, I was, like, this seems like kind of sexism, but my charitable reading of it is it's like when you're a doctor, you don't operate on your own family member. Mm-hmm. You know, that like seeing someone that that's that close to you in a crisis sure. could just like make you freeze up in a different way than like for Lori. Well, but I feel like it's because Joe froze that Joe is having this shame spiral. I think Joe is having the shame spiral because... Of right before. Of right first. before when Joe was like... Ignoring Amy and didn't warn was, her. Yeah, like, those, oh, no matter yeah. whether she heard or not, let her take care of herself. Which sure. is basically like... I know there's this really dangerous situation and I'm not going to check in to make sure that my sister doesn't die. Like, mm-hmm. that is a pretty bad thing to do. Sure. Yeah, and I think if Lori hadn't been there, fucking Joe would have figured it out. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting was the way that when Joe and Marmy are talking about anger, I identified with Joe and this anger, the way that, like, he's afraid that his anger turns him mean. Mm-hmm. And he says, the more I say, the worse I get till it's a pleasure to hurt people's feelings. And I've been, I feel like I've had that feeling of just like drive it in, you know, and then it feels so awful afterwards. Mm-hmm. You're just like, why the fuck did I do that? I get so savage I could hurt anyone and enjoy it. Yeah, that's, ugh. I wrote my dad. Sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I like that he says, tell me how you do it, Marmy dear. And she says, my good mother used to help me. Mm-hmm. And she says, as you do us. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that, like, Marmy has this important mother figure, and then Joe has this important mother figure, but then Marmy says that her mom died, and then it's, like, her husband I replaces know. the mother figure. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... Before we get to that, because that kind of me weird. off, but there was this part when, when Marmy was talking to Joe that I thought was so tender, and um, it says, made his own anger... Um, he made his own easier to bear and strengthened his resolution to cheer it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wrote, like, isn't that, like, the power of community and vulnerability? And this, yeah. like, especially vulnerability, because Marmy's, mm-hmm. like, really putting herself out totally. there and doing that. And it's, it's helping Joe And feel that's what's comforting feel. is just Marmy, like, sharing yeah. her own yeah. struggles. I yeah. also wonder, like, because I wrote Marmy is post-angry. I wrote post-angry. <laughs> Um, but I said maybe that's because of sexism. Sure. And experience so so much over sexism. 
And then that complicates matters because it's like, it makes me think of that trope of like the angry black woman. Mm. And it's like gross. Like it's fine. It's like, Like, like it's fine to be angry. Yeah. Well, it's fine to be angry if you're oppressed, you know, and it's fine to be like like frustrated and like that. And, and I, that's what I really didn't like about some of what I feel Marmy that too that Marmy that. is like, and then I just repress everything and I just never let right. it show. Right. I mean, and I felt that because it definitely reminds me of my mom because my mom definitely has a narrative about her life that like a lot like this Marmy story that like she used to be so angry and like that she would like yell and things like and yell at my brothers when they were little and stuff and that she like learned not to do that because mm-hmm. I'm five years younger than my oldest brother so it's sort of like. I had a different experience of parenting because she had, like, just made this decision that Mm. she was, like, not going to do that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just don't know whether it was the right decision. Like, clearly she thinks it was the right decision. And, yeah, like, I don't think yelling at your kids is, like, super helpful. But it sometimes feels to me, like, did you you just, like, squish yourself down to try not to... Mm. Because you're afraid that you're going to hurt everybody else, you know? Mm. And that's what I see. What I wonder about Marmy is, like, how much is this... Well, and she also says, um, I wrote, feeling outraged or offended or oppressed to Marmy equals mm. being weak and wicked. Oh, wow. Because that's what she says, whoa. she's weak and wicked. And to me, that's like, like, I think Joe has every right to feel outraged. Mm-hmm. I think Joe has every right. right to feel hurt and to want space and to not want Amy to follow him around. I mean, and I think the thing that I need help with, that Joe needs help with, although maybe he wouldn't see it that way, is like, what are safe, healthy, appropriate ways to Absolutely. express your anger, yeah. right? Because it's like, not telling someone that they're in imminent danger of falling through ice is like, not actually an okay right. thing to do, you right. know? But like saying, please leave me alone, I don't want to talk to you, Right, is an okay Well, and I can, I can kind of understand how Joe feels sort of trapped in, in the anger spiral mm-hmm. because I think that his writing was his way to sure. sort of deal with that, especially sure. as he wrote these sort of violent, fantastical stories, uh-huh. that that yeah. was his way of kind of getting that out. And now he's, you know, to write again right now would not help. So yeah. so he's kind of flailing, trying to figure out what to do next, you know? Yeah. But I do think that it's uh, it's remiss of Marmy not to then reflect back to what was your part in bring, making mm-hmm. this happen in the first mm-hmm. place? Mm-hmm. Because that to me feels like it was really missing from right. this chapter. And that was and more from, important. And from what Joe learned. I mean, I think both are important. You should sure. warn someone if they're in danger. And I also think that, like, you know, you should not be, you should be think, think about your part. Like, yes, Amy was an asshole, and you were an asshole first. Sure. You know? Sure. Like, let's... Yeah, I, I think that's true value. Like, think about your part in the situation right. so that you don't contribute to things like that in the right. future. Exactly. So... Okay, so should we talk about how her husband replaces her mother? Yes, and, and I that's think what I get onto next, and then it gets really Jesus-y. It's <laughs> super Jesus-y. Yeah. Where, let me just say again, where is Christ in this book? Because I Absent. can't find him. Absent. I've been flailing around like a little I've been like, is, does, is there even going to be a Christ in this book? Because I'm not used to reading books that don't have Christ in them. And I literally have not seen the words Jesus Christ written in this book. You, I haven't either. And I... I I'm about to freak out about it. Um, so I will say that I thought it was nice that at least it wasn't like her husband replaces her father. I thought that was better. Sure. 
Okay. And uh, my other mitigating factor is that I do, I feel like when I first romantically fell in love with someone, I was like, oh, this is kind of like being with my mom. Because it was just like, you know, like someone that you feel really safe with and just like really cared for. You know, and that was like my point of comparison. Charitably, I could see how it's like when you have a really good relationship with someone and you love and trust them, that could remind you Mm -hmm. if you had a good relationship with your parent or with anybody else Mm -hmm. in your past. Sure. And yet at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's super gross Mm -hmm. because your partner, your life partner is not your parent and you shouldn't be looking to them as like an authority figure. I wrote, father saved Marmy from the prison of her true feelings (sighs) too. Well put. Well put. The prison of her true feelings. Yeah. The prison of feeling outraged for being being oppressed and being herself. Okay, well, you nailed that one. (laughs) I don't need to say anything else. Um, Well, and then I I also wrote Bronson as, like, being... I think Lou is really putting Bronson on a pedestal. Of course. Again, like... Of course. Or, I mean, maybe it's not that he's on a pedestal. It's that, like, again, Lou... Maybe I'm just thinking Lou is, like, too much of a robot person, but I imagine Lou, like, you know, this is what, you know, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like. Like, the man mm-hmm. is in charge, and women are supposed to want mm-hmm. to, like, get blah, blah, blah. But it refers to your father as a savior, and... I know, uh, and then the, like, and I mean, that's... And that's just, like, it just makes me think of, like, you know, whenever I think of the phrase white savior, I think of that 1990s movie with Michelle Pfeiffer called Dangerous Minds. Do Is that, like, about a teacher? It's about a white teacher oh, going into yeah, a black yeah, high school yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. saves the day, that's you know? Fair. But yeah. I think of, like, that this is, like, a patriarchal savior. Sure. You know, and it's this, like, male savior, like, the poor, pathetic woman, like, the damsel. Yes. You know, like, needs this man to come in and, you know, protect her and, from and her, like, her true yeah, feelings. And, like, teach her not to be, like... So angry. Subdue it's yucky. her it's and yucky. like, yeah. And then there's the like explicit comparison of father to God, which is like very sort of conservative Christian theology sure. that I hear around all now all nowadays. Like you know, yep. but, but it's yucky. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a better friend even than father to comfort and sustain me. That's the JC. I wrote Marmy gross annoying quote about father. The um, your father Joe has never lost patience, never doubts or complains, but always hopes and works and waits so cheerfully that one is ashamed to do otherwise before him. Barf attack. Like that is outrageously untrue. Yeah. Like how <laughs> how is it how is it that Lou is painting this portrait of Marmy sharing this beautiful vulnerability and therefore that's validating Joe mm-hmm. and making him feel like he can be a whole person and can grow and learn at the same time that she's not making father a real person mm-hmm. and how is that going to make Joe feel anything but shitty for not being as good and perfect as this person is. Yeah. Like, how can Marmy hold both of those things in I mean, one and, conversation? And is that the purpose of Father not being in this book? Is that Father is then better used as this, like, symbol of the perfect person? But I don't feel like those symbols serve us. I sure. feel like they harm us. They're constantly harming us. Mm-hmm. And that's why things like, like, for me personally, I hate Facebook because I feel like you go on it and then it's just, like, all about comparison. Mm-hmm. And it's this, like, pain of comparison. It's like, people are only putting their happy pictures on right. Facebook. Of course. They're only, t- you know, like, right. they're and not... Marmy, and I see what you mean, that that's, like, working against the example of Marmy sharing about her own life. Yeah. Yeah. And how is that... I just don't understand how 
having this perfect thing that we can all strive towards does anything but make us feel like we're constantly fucking up because we're not that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. how does Joe then, like, get through because, you know, he's got this perfect absent father? Yeah, I, don't, I really don't understand what Lou is trying to do with <clears throat> Bronson in this book. Because part of me just thinks, like, Lou wanted to write a book that didn't have a dude in it. I like a dad, mm-hmm. like a, you know, authority figure man, and was like, how can I do that? Oh, he'll just be away at war, and then every once in a while they'll make a reference to how great he is, and then no one will think that it's weird that I wrote a book about Maybe Lou wrote a book about all women because Lou's super great man, and just was like, <laughs> like what are women like? Yeah, I wanted to write this book about it women that maybe Lou has been in love with each one of these archetypes. You're making it sexy now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of weird since they're painted as like siblings, but Whatever. I mean, and I don't think that it was actually that because I do think that, I mean, it's very based off of the Alcott family, but mm-hmm. still it's just kind of like, it would make more sense to me that Lou's like, oh, I met this alluring woman this time that was kind of like the Amy character. Mm-hmm. Or kind of like the Meg character, you know, because there Maybe. are because some of it obviously it's not true, it's fictional. Sure. And so yeah, like these aren't exactly Lou's siblings. Right. And there are things that like happen to the the March family that doesn't happen to sure. the Alcott family sure. and whatever. So maybe I don't know. It's a stretch, but I it's possible. That's what I think. Towards the end I see <clears throat> Joe is led by his mother's hand. He had drawn nearer to the friend who welcomes every child with a love stronger than that of any father, tenderer than that of any mother. It's obviously a God thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I remember that we read that Pilgrim's Progress, like the second half of the book, is about the mother leading the children. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's more of this like Pilgrim's Progress narrative that like the father leads the mother and the mother leads the children. And I, I barked on that. Yep. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, and both of the, the this chapter title, the Apollyon thing, is mm-hmm. from Right, they're all, all of these, like, there's, like, four chapters about each one of those. And they're all things from Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. And then it's sweet at the end when they hug and kiss and everything's forgiven and forgotten. I also, I thought when, at the end, when Marmy basically launches into a sermon, mm-hmm. I thought about that quote that Lou had said earlier about, like, oh, I love it when you tell stories as long as they're not too preachy. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, Marmy, I'm Being checking out like it was kind of good before yep. but now it's not yep. so much yeah and then there was like if it hadn't been for Lori Lori saved the day Lori's know, everything and then this other like but do we did have some there was some other time when we felt like Joe was like saving Lori as a damsel in distress that's that true fun. when Lou went over it the sick person yeah it was like um, calling up to him on the balcony so there is a sweet slash sad um, annotation at the end of this chapter from one of Lou's journals that I'm going to read. Mm-hmm. So um, in January 1850, when Lou was 17 and living in Boston, um, Lou confessed, my quick tongue is always getting me into trouble and my moodiness makes it hard to be cheerful when I think of how poor we are. I can't talk to anyone but mother about my troubles and Aww. she has so many now to bear that I try not to add any more. I know God is always ready to hear, but heaven's so far away in the city, Aww. and I'm so heavy, I can't fly up to find him. Mm, poor Lou. Yeah, it's sweet and sad. <laughs> it shows that relationship between Lou and their mom. But yeah. yeah. <gasps> okay. Well, I think that's it for for chapter eight. Joe meets Apollyon. Thanks for listening to Queering Little Women. Um, if we have another fan out there, we would love to hear from you. As you can see, we've got lots of attention on the air, just like Sarah did. 
and you can join us next time for Chapter 9, Meg Goes to Vanity Fair. I love Martin.